Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Hey, good morning, guys. So, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to gather. Thank you for just being here with us and for always being faithful and and for not just providing answers to our life, but you are the answer. And Jesus, you said you are the way, the truth, and the life. And so we just put our hope in you and our trust in you. And we thank you that, that you're a way maker and you're a healer and you're a miracle worker and you're everything that we need or will ever need. And so, Holy Spirit, just speak through me this morning in the mighty name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Good morning. It's good to be here this morning. I was like, we're just coming out of Passover and and now we're actually into the counting of the Omer and not counting Homer. Like, <laughs> how many Homers can I count? I know there's Homer Simpson and Actually, that's the only Homer I knew. I knew a Homer when I was a kid growing up, but the reason I knew him is we lived in a little town in Oklahoma, and when the, um, they were friends of my dad's, and their name was Homer and Mary, and so when the tornado whistles would blow, they had a cellar, so guess where we would go? <laughs> we would go over to Homer's, so, so it's not, but it's not the counting of the Homer, but I did count on Homer. <laughs> You know, when I was a kid, I knew if I heard the heard the sirens that we were going to Homer's, you know. But we're going into that, and then that leads up 50 days is Shavuot, right? But Jesus, like we think a lot of times that Jesus rose again from the dead, and then he, when he rose again, he just went, oop, I'm out of here, beam me up, Scotty. But he didn't. He, when he rose from the dead, he lived and walked and talked for 40 days, right? And then he, he left. And when he left, he said, said it's better if I go. He, he says, because greater works will you do than, than I've done. What was like, why is it better that Jesus goes? I mean, how could you ever think that it would be better that the one who died for us and rose again goes to heaven and just leaves us, man? You just laughed us. But he really didn't leave us because we became his body. He is the head of the church. We are the body of Christ. And so... He's, he didn't leave. He lives in us. And he works through us. In him we live and move and have our being. He, the Bible says, says that, that um, now unto him who is able to do measurably more than all that we could ask or think or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. Right? So where is that at? It's in us. The, the Christ in us. The hope of glory. And so um, it's not, uh, it was an outer work that saved us on the inside so that we can be saved on the inside out because we couldn't do it ourselves. And so it comes to a place where, where we get in works and we're trying to do stuff, do stuff, do stuff. And the more we do, the harder it gets. Anybody ever try to dig themselves out of a hole? <laughs> Like, am I the only one who's ever done that? And then sometimes it's just like you're digging and digging, and it's like, like as you're digging, you cannot dig yourself out of a hole. You know why? Because the more you dig, 
the lower you go, right? And, and so it just, it's just like insanity. The definition of insanity is running into a wall, doing the same thing over and over and expecting the same results, right? And so we get into this mentality that, oh, I'm going to make myself good enough for God. Oh, if I can just do this and God's going to bless me. Oh, if, if now I'm not saying that God doesn't bless us. Like, like when, we do, when we do good works, there's blessings in those good works, but we don't do those good works to get blessed. We get, do those good works out of blessing, out of a position. And as we do that, then more blessings come. And it's like, like not the opposite of digging yourself out of a hole, right? Because it's not working in our strength or our ability, but it's working out of his strength and his ability that comes in and through us. Now, is, the Bible says that he will make us alive. Guess what? It, it makes alive. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it, it, it makes us alive. It lives in us, and it empowers us. So guess what? You, you are empowered to live. You're empowered to make choices. You're empowered to go through through great and wonderful things, even when it looks hopeless. Even when it looks like everything is against you, I promise you, if you look out, you're going to be discouraged. If you look up your cir- circumstances, you can be discour- discouraged. But if you'll stop and look in and think, wait a second, greater is he that's in me than he is in the world. Remember, we're talking about the Israelites and on Passover. And so here, Moses, God shows up to Moses. He's minding his own business. Oh, time out real quick. I got a commercial. In December, Pastor George is going to Kenya. And so he's putting a, a mission trip together. And, and um, me and Linda are going to go also. And so if any of you guys would like to come, I would highly recommend that you do, and if you do, I'd highly recommend you listen to him, <laughs> and not me, right, because I, I don't speak very good over there, but, but anyway, I highly re- recommend you guys getting involved, because he's got a heart not just to reach this community, but to reach other community, and we also have other churches that meet here, too, so, so Pastor Moses meets here um, after our service in the afternoon, and then after Pas- Pastor Moses meets, then, then we've got NEMA Community Church meeting, so if you guys... You're like, man, Pastor James, you're just t- so good looking, I can't concentrate when you're preaching, so, so you need to go somewhere else, or maybe you don't speak our language. Go check one of these guys out, because they do a phenomenal job. And so, anyway, um, uh, that's just a plug. But So, here we've got these, um, the Israelites, like Moses, they just show up. We know the Passover story, but you know, there was, there was another Passover story that I want to talk about here in a minute, but I, I'm going to get ahead of myself if I don't read the scripture. So, so, so let, let me read so you're like, he just talks, so you don't ever read the Bible. Actually, a lot of what I'm talking, I'm quoting the scriptures, so, so, so you can find them and check them out. And so, um, actually, when this book was written, it didn't have addresses, right? It's like, like Paul didn't say, chapter 3, verse 2, But, like, that was added by us so we could find stuff, right? So, but anyway, um, so it says this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, at the sake, uh, uh, for the sake of you Gentiles, 
He's like, it's all your fault. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly in reading this. Then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Now I just think, how cool would it have been to sit around with Paul? Because Paul was trained. He was rabbinically trained. He, he was trained by the tops of the tops. And so when, when he was like astute in, in, in the law, but he was astute too. When he met Jesus, his life was changed around upside down. But on a Jewish mindset, he looked at the scriptures a little bit different because there's like different levels that you study the scriptures. And so Paul knew this. He knew there were mysteries. There was a mystery level. He knew there was a ladder. We see the ladder where it says, says this, but there's, a, there's also this biblical imagery where it has even a deeper meaning. And so God speaks through his word. And so he speaks something in his word from way back then and it affects me now. How can that be? Because this word's alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. You can look, and here's where we got to be careful. You can look at the letter of the law and not see Jesus in it. You can look at the letter of the law and not see who you are in it. And when you do, the Bible says that it'll bring death. It's not about the letter of the law, but it's about the spirit of the law and seeing him in it. And when we see that, it's not just, it's a person. His name's Jesus. It's God's salvation that we see in it. And, and if we see Jesus and we love Jesus and have him, Jesus is the fullness of the deity all in one. So you have the Father and you have the Holy Spirit all in Jesus, just like you have them all in you. Now, that's got to be a little comforting because we think a lot of times, well, the Holy Spirit's with us. Jesus checked out. He's sitting up there with the Father. They're drinking coffee and watching football and hoping <laughs> things work out for us, right? And so we, we might need a little help, so we look off to some space, outer space God, that's so far off, he's far, farther off than the Enterprise. <laughs> and we're like, can you help us? Please, just put your remote down. Come help me. <laughs> and the truth is, is he's already here. He never left us. He's in us. He lives in us in us he's not a god far away he's a god in us that's what makes the gospel so powerful god with you emmanuel not just with you but in you that gives that gives it a whole new meaning not a god far off in heaven not a god unreachable not a god that's busy doing something else because there's a crisis in in kenya or there's a crisis in israel or there's a crisis in korea or whatever he's a god that's there too and he lives and he dwells in us the that's what the gospel is god with us christ in us that was the good news it's not something where you had to go and put sacrifice after sacrifice and depend on that as an offering to make yourself good enough for God. Now we have an offering once and for all, and his name is Jesus, and now we can boldly go to the throne of grace. But it's not an outside 
experience looking to come or, or, or looking to save us, it's become an inward work. And that was the mystery that he's talking about. Save us, save us. When they see Jesus walking down uh, on the Palm Sunday, Baruch Baba Shemad Adonai, save us, I beseech you. Save us. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're looking for an outside salvation. And he says, I'm bringing you an outside salvation, but I'm going to birth it from the inside out. And if we get caught up always looking for our help from the outside, then it inhibits us from living with that power that works on the inside of us. And this is something that Holy Spirit, I really feel like God's been putting in my heart for me to live out my life is to start, not, not keep looking out, because like I grew up always looking out. Something on the outside has to save me. But there's nothing out there that's going to save you. Guess who you got? You got you, and you got God himself living in you. And if that ain't enough, you can't be saved. Straight up. I mean, let's get real. If God himself living in you is not enough, there's no hope. But the truth is he's more than enough. And so we can put our trust and we can put our hope in him and know that he lives in us. So instead of waiting for God it, now we got the gospel God with us instead of waiting for God to come save us. Now he is saving us from the inside out. And how does he do it? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by your works. No. By your good deeds. No. By going to church on Sunday. Someone help me out. Transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Now, where's your mind at? It's inside you, right? And so we see our brain as a representation of our mind, but it is not our mind, right? You know what's really cool is, is God said, Jesus said, you are the temple of what? The Holy Spirit, right? When, when, when now we're the temple, so now the holy of holies, the most holy place, the courts, all that stuff lives inside of you. That's what that's saying to a Jew. We just think, oh, well, it's nice. I'm a house. I'm a temple. No, when you grasp what he's really saying, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy of Holy, that most holy place that was so sacred it took the blood uh, of bulls and goats and rams and offerings and all this stuff. That took all that to go into. Now he says, you can freely come to me. Where do, where, so where do we go when I pray? I pray. I close my eyes and pray. And I, it's like I'm just figuring it out. Finding Why do you close your eyes when you pray? I think it's just so I can scare people who are riding with me when I'm driving. <laughs> you know, that's what I thought. God, you're funny, right? But now I'm figuring out when you go to your closet, what you do in your closet will be shown on the outside. What's he talking about? The Jewish people have their tallit, right? And when they go pray, they put their tallit on. When they go in their tallit, they're in that. They're in the presence of God. What is that represent, representing? When I pray now, I close my eyes and I was like, hey, mighty God, 
mighty, mighty Jesus that lives in me. And I talk to him like he's in me. And it's transforming my life. And it's transforming my life in a way that I'm not looking way off past outer space. And by the way, outer space is still getting bigger. At the word of God, exponentially bigger, right? So how are you going to find him? You think you get there? He's like, going, you try to catch me out there. You ain't going to do it. And that's what our effort brings. But when I just stop and I just take a deep breath, you're like, Pastor James, you're almost meditating. Yes, I am. It's not a bad word, by the way, right? Our breath and our prayers and, you know, Yahweh literally is a breath of God. It's like, it's almost a sound like breathe in and breathe out. You know what he's saying? I am your breath. When he created the paradise dirt, ladies, it wasn't dirt, dirt, like you think now. It was good dirt. Just because you guys are made out of bone. I just Anyway, you guys are better than us, though. But anyway, so it, he molded it into clay, and then he breathed, and he went, and guess what? We become. We carry the very breath, the very spirit, the very essence of God, and that's really good news for us. You're not trash. You're not something God throws, throws away. In fact, you're so valuable, he gave his very life for you. And that should matter. Right? And so, the mysteries Paul's talking about, Paul's not looking at it as a letter. In fact, he says the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Can you see? You can see the literal, like the Jacob and Esau story, but can you see that what the spirit of it he's talking about is the flesh, the hairy man, and then the spirit. And Jacob's name is a planter. Well, what happens? The spirit supplants the flesh. And when it does, guess what? It becomes a prince with God. And so there's so much more depth and so much more levels when, when we can say, hey, you know, no, the word's true. Like, it's a real, like, it is a literal story uh, uh, that happened. I ain't saying that, but there's also a spiritual story in there, too, where if we can get it. And so... God's got some, anybody ever hear someone preaching? And then, like, like I used to do this, I would preach a message, and, and I'd be like, wow, that was such a good message. And someone would come up, Pastor James, that was the best message ever. And I was like, yeah, I want to hear it again. Tell me what I say. And they'd tell me, and I was like, I didn't say anything like that. <laughs> like, what happened? And so I was like, God, I don't get it. And then the Holy Spirit said, you know what? My word's alive. So I might have this one intention that, that I want to get this out, but I will, I will get whatever you need. Because this word's so powerful and, and it's so alive. And so here, here we're getting the mysteries of Christ and we're seeing not the letter, the letter kills. Like I know people, I know my Bible, and they will cut your head off with it. Literally. Sever it off. And then say they love you while they're doing it. I was like, yeah, you, you, that's the letter, but it's not the spirit. If you want to see the spirit of God, look at Jesus. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. And guess what? If you've seen them, pretty sure the Holy Spirit's pretty much in line with them too, right? And so we can see his character. We can see his heart. We can see his love. 
when, when, the man, when the prodigal son left. Man, he ran off to Vegas. Lost it all at Caesar's palace. So much so that he had to go back and, and in the pig pen. And the whole time he's thinking, I wish my father would take me back just as a servant. And the whole time the Bible says the father was looking out for him. Hoping he would come back. And before he could even get to him, the father was running down the road. And he said, put the robe on. Put the ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. Under the law, God told Moses to take his shoes off. In grace, in Jesus, guess what? He put shoes on you. And it's the gospel of grace. It's the gospel of peace. Amen. He didn't earn nothing. And the father loved him still. Do you know what that tells me? The whole time he was in Vegas, whether if he was at Wayne Newton or the Blue Men or whatever it was, father was like man I love you come home I can't wait till you come home I love you so much and we get so caught up in our dues and we're doing and we're doing and we're doing and we don't realize that sometimes we just need to turn around so you know what I can't do it but I know that you already done it and so I can see myself in you you know what I it's called envisioning you know what's pretty cool about envisioning is the clues right there in that word. Envision or think, like our thoughts. He says, I know my thoughts that I think towards you. Right? What's he saying? He has a vision for you. He envisions you. When we envision and, and get our thoughts, and you're like, I don't think. Yes, you do. Every one of us think. We have like 65,000 thoughts a day, and most of them are the thoughts that we had yesterday. And the day before. And the day before. That's scientifically proven. Right? We're all thinking. We're all envisioning. What are you envisioning? And then we're looking, envision, we're looking. So and then we're surprised when we're thinking of all these bad things. And then the the thing that you look at is what you give power in your life. And so we're envisioning these things, these bad things, and then these bad things are coming. And I was like, God, why do you hate me? like me driving off the road because I'm looking at something off the road. And then I'm mad at God because I drove off the road, but I'm the one that drove off the road. It's like we think we don't have any control, any power, and it's not the case. God said, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. He didn't say choose once and for all. Every moment, every chance. So we get to envision, and as we envision, we're seeing, literally, envision is we see ourselves in that vision. You ever have those thoughts? Like, even if it's something real, like, man, I want to go to Hawaii. Like, I know some people got to go to Hawaii. I'm sure they had thoughts about it, right? Yeah, to think, hey, I want to go to Hawaii. It'd be really cool. And then seeing themselves there, and guess what? Then pretty soon you see pictures of them there, and they're, they're happy and smiling, and it's really fun, right? Same thing. What is it? We see ourselves in the vision. That's where we see ourselves in Christ. Now get this. Not apart from him. We, I envision myself in Christ. What does that mean? It means that I, I envision myself in him completely and totally. It says, as he is in heaven, in heaven, 
so am I on the earth. Oh, Pastor James. Now, that's getting pretty, pretty ridiculous. That don't fit religion. Absolutely not. Thank you, Jesus. It doesn't, like, even, even, like, I had a friend that was a, um, what do you call him, atheist? And, like, he was more judgmental than any person I ever met. Like, he was more religious than anyone I ever met. He ended up giving his heart to Jesus, but I was like, dude, you say you don't have a religion. You have a religion. It's just an anti-religion, and you're, like, more judgmental and angry than, I, than I, any, about any Christian I know. So everybody has that belief and has, has a religion. But envisioning yourself, envision yourself in Christ, in that finished work. Because when he died on the cross, guess what? He died for your sins. Guess what? When he died on the cross, he died for Hitler's sins. And any other person that you don't like or you don't think that, that done really, and he did atrocious things. He did. Jesus carried every bit of that punishment on the cross. He didn't say, yeah, I'll die for everyone but Hitler and Mao or my neighbor. <laughs> That's what's so spectacular about the cross. Every sin was put on him, and he gladly took it. He didn't carry his cross up that mountain. He carried yours. He carried mine. So I'm crucified with Christ. What does that mean? I have no past. And I'm going to choose to live in him. And as I do, I can see my future and I can envision great things that God has for me because I'm in him. That's the gospel. Man, that almost makes me run around like a thing. Oh, man. Make, make me shout, man. That's such good news. It's better news than we could ever imagine. This gospel, we have this image of the gospel in our mind, and it's so much better and so much more than anything we could dream or hope. And it's the mysteries of Christ that he's talking about. Now, one of the things I wanted to get to, I want to get to Joshua real quick, because there's some things I saw. We're, you guys remember in... So, so we've seen, seen Passover and we've seen them leave Egypt. So they go out with miracles, man. God shows up to Moses and says, hey, I'm going to... He's like, like, I've got to go to Moses, man. I mean, to Pharaoh and I need some. And God said, I got miracles. I got you covered. So before there was even any of the plagues, he was giving him... Uh, he's like, throw your staff down. It becomes a snake. And he's like, pick it back up. I mean, that's where me and God would have had a difference in opinion. <laughs> Like, hey, Uncle Mo, wait, wait, ain't picking that up, right? Ain't picking that up, right? And he's like, hey, um, he picks it up and becomes a staff, right? And he says, hey, now, I got an idea. Stick your hand in your coat. And he pulls it out, and he's got leprosy. It's like, ah! You know, I would have been arguing with God about these miracles. <laughs> like, couldn't you, like, made my hand, like, prettier or something? You know, which is, I don't know if that's possible. You know, maybe with Moses because he was in the desert, right? But, like, can you imagine? And then he put it back in and it was gone. And so he went to, to Pharaoh. 
He knew, God knew, that they would not believe unless they seen miracles and great works. And I want to tell you something. People can believe God is here and in this church because there are great miracles happening every week, whether you think or see it or not. I want to tell you, I've seen, I seen, seen a group of people feed over 400 people every week last summer. I've seen there's churches here meeting, multiple churches here meeting. There's people that come here and love God with all their heart. And this church in the midst of COVID and all that went on, increase their giving. You tell me that God ain't a God of miracles? Man, he's alive and he's here. And so, but Moses, and I, I'm telling you, we haven't even begun to see the miracles. We haven't even seen to see the great things that God wants to do. I feel just watch. That's all I got to say, Right? So here he comes to him, and, and Pharaoh says, let my people go. And, of course, you know the plagues. And then they leave Egypt, and they leave Egypt with all the gold and all the silver. Actually, the Bible says not one was lame or not one was feeble. Charlton Heston got it wrong. Like saying where they're running for their lives, just limping. Not one was lame, not one was feeble. They had all the gold. They had the, all the silver. Guess what they did? They took all the economy of Egypt with them because they took their, their workers too. They went out with their livestock, with their gold, with, with, with their silver, and, and with their economy, their entire economy. So here they're at the Red Sea, right? They're saved. It was a Passover. It was the blood of the Lamb. And now they're saved from sin, right? As we would say, we're saved. We get saved from sin. And now we're going out. And we have all this stuff at our access. It's not through supply of our works, but supply from his work. And if the first Passover did that, how much more did the Passover that Jesus paid his life for give to us? The shadow is not more powerful than the finished work. So now he gets, they get to the Red Sea and they're like, oh no, here comes Pharaoh because Pharaoh just, it just hit him. Man, that's my whole economy out there. I got to do something. And so what do they do? They come and they come chasing him. And you know what they got? They got the Red Sea in front of them. So now, oh, we're going to die. Why'd you bring us out here? Because we die. And sometimes we get saved and we're thinking, oh man, God, why'd you do this? Because I'm going to die. I ain't going to make it. They're saved already. So if they die, at least they go to heaven, right? So God opens the Red Sea. He just like, and they walk across on dry ground. That's even more incredible to me than than the fact that the sea parted. Because like I feed horses all the time in mud. I'd love to see some dry ground for once, right? And so, so they walk across on dry ground. What does that represent? Baptism. Because what happened? The enemy could not swim. They didn't have to swim. But the enemy does. So when we die to ourselves, it's, what he's saying is, is you are coming in. You've given me your heart. You've given me your life. Now when we get baptized, we are dying to ourselves and coming back up in life. And all that live water where you get baptized washes all that. He's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. You know how far that is? 
No, you don't, because it lasts forever and ever and ever. There's no end to it, just like there's no end to His grace. And so now they're in the, in the desert. They're going to the promised land. They see the promised land, but when they get to the promised land, guess what? There, there are giants. We can't do it because there's giants, man. We look like grasshoppers in their sight, but like, man, they're carrying grapes on one of those sticks on each other's shoulder. They're so big, like the grapes. Like, this is a land flowing with milk and honey and all the good and the grains. And like, like my wife just cooked couscous yesterday. Like, I didn't even know what it was. And so, so my, da- my da- oldest daughter's got a really cool boyfriend, and we got to meet him yesterday, but we were sitting there. He does, he's a plant guy, you know, and does trees, and I don't know the fancy names for those kind of guys. But, but he's really good at it. And so we're eating the couscous. We're getting ready to eat the couscous. I ate salad. <laughs> but I love couscous. Israeli couscous. There's nothing like it. And he's like, what is couscous? You know, I don't know. You'd be surprised how many things I eat that I have no idea what they are. <laughs> Usually it's when I cook it. You know, people are like, what is it? I don't know. It's manna. Whatever you want it to be, right? <laughs> but it's a plant. It's like a wheat. It looks like wheat. It's got the little couscous things going. But it had couscous. Because it's Israel, of course, right? But all this land flowing with milk and honey, but they didn't enter. Why? Because of how they saw themselves. It wasn't the outside. It wasn't the giants that stopped them. It wasn't God saying, you can't go there, that stopped them. Guess what it was? It was their opinion of themselves. It was their identity. They were still identifying as slaves. Now, as believers, we can be saved. We can be baptized. We can be headed for the promises of God. But if we still think that we're a slave in Egypt that has to work and earn things, we're not going to see the promise. And it's not God keeping us from it. Is that preaching too real? We get mad at God. Guess what? There was another Passover. Because when Moses died, now Moses means drawn out. He said, my servant Moses is dead. And now Joshua, son of Nun, Nun means inheritance, inherited, is God's salvation. It's like a form of Yeshua. Yahweh's salvation is coming on on line with an inheritance, right? Where, Where... and under Moses, he drew him out. And that's what the Bible talks about when you see the word of God, is that he gave the law, why? To bring us to Jesus. Why? Because we can't keep it. So what did it do? It draws us out, but it can't keep you. And you can't keep it. So we had to find something else. And so that's where he brought Jesus. God's salvation. Yahweh's salvation. The son of the inheritor who took them into the promised land, right? So Moses is dead. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. And so Joshua said, be strong and of good courage. Why? Because here's what they did. He said, I want you to go across, take the ark. So they took the ark, went into the Jordan River at harvest. Now, the Bible says it was flooding. You guys know what it's like when it's flooding in the rivers? He said, step into the river. Man, who who has to do this stuff? 
Like, I mean, who's the first ones to get to do that? Step into the river. They step into the river, and guess what? God parts the river. And now they're on their way to, to into the land. They're in the enemies. They're in the promised land, but there's enemies all around them. They get all, everyone across. And you know what God says? I want you to circumcise everyone who's not been circumcised. Well, guess all the older ones who had been circumcised died in the desert because they didn't believe God. So guess what? That meant that was all their young guys. All their young guys were being circumcised, and those were the guys, they had a river, a swollen river in the back of them and an enemy in front of them. And God says, I want you to circumcise every male. You know what they did? That had to be the most vulnerable, insane, tactical military move ever because he incapacitated his entire army. Now think about that. You got enemies all around you. The ones that these other dudes were too afraid to go into the land. And God says, you know what? We're going to get... We're going to get um, circumcised. It was really cool too as it says that they celebrated the Passover on the 14th day and the next day they ate from the land. They ate unleavened bread and they ate roasted grain, grain which all represents God and Jesus and his finished work. Now, if you'll see, as, as they're doing that, something really cool happens and it says that the next day the manna stopped. Like, oh my gosh, the manna stopped. Is that bad? No, it went from living, from survival to living in the promise. Before I get carried away, like I need three more hours to get through the through even the part the start of this. They circumcised. Now we we are circumcised in our hearts. You know what? That means we're vulnerable. You would think, right? But when we're vulnerable, when, when we allow God to circumcise our hearts, cut off the dead flesh, cut off the dead things, cut off the religion, guess what we got left? We got spirit. That's when we're really going to live. That's when we're really going to find life. That's when we're going to really see who God is and know that, you know what, when I'm in Him, when I'm walking in the Spirit, the Bible says walk in the Spirit, not the flesh. That's what He's talking about, about having a circumcised heart. We war not against flesh and blood. We walk in the Spirit. And then we see the newness of life in the promised land. Amen? Amen. And I'm out of time. I'm not out of time. I'll just go out of time, and then we can keep... Oh. So, Father, thank you for your word. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.